0: On this Lord's Day and worship with each of you. I appreciate Will's prayer on my behalf. It's certainly something that, as teachers, we desire prayer to, um, on the things that we talk about and study about. And I, it's my prayer that you'll be benefited by this study and edified and built up um, by the teaching this morning. It's certainly our desire as teachers. I'd like to, for you to think about for a moment what your biggest stress in life is, or maybe your biggest problem or biggest worry. In life is. And I suppose if we polled the audience this morning, we would get very differing answers on what that is amongst the different groups of people represented here. We had a conversation about this at a study the other night, and I asked a few people this and got very wide, um, widely varying answers just among a few people in that study. A 15-year-old said our biggest Concern was volleyball and the stress that comes with that and the drama with coaches and other girls and all that kind of stuff. Some of the college students said final exams and passing exams and things like that. Some young adults said they worried about their careers and planning for the future and finances and that kind of stuff. And some other people said their jobs in general are a stress. And it's very interesting to me as we think about the things in in this life that bother us and the things we worry about and how we get very focused on our own problems and the things that are going on. And I suppose we would have similar answers if we um, jotted those things down this morning. Maybe somebody that's older would say their health is a big worry for them. And so um, as we think about all the different things and the ways we look at life, I want us to give some thought this morning to perspective and the different perspectives we have on things. You know, as we think about each of your troubles and what you might say or how you might have answered that question, it's, your perspective is guided by, the, by all the different things going on in your life, and I think the scriptures give us some really good examples of some men and women that had perspectives on situations, sometimes good, sometimes not so good, but I think we can learn from that, and that's, that's my goal this morning is, is to think about that. We had an opportunity to go to Arizona a few years ago at spring break, and we went and watched some baseball, on the way back, we went by the Grand Canyon. And I took this photo from one of the observation points at the top there. We didn't spend a lot of time there. Um, it was kind of one of those deals you drive in, and unless you want to spend days and hike down in it and do all that stuff, you're going to spend a couple hours, and you've kind of seen what there is to see. But as we stood on this observation point and looked out, I was in awe of what, of what I saw. And I'm, if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't been there, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. And each of us sees something like this in, in God's creation that stands out. But this place is just unreal, and it feels like you're in a painting. And as we stood there at this very spot and looked out, a park ranger came up and started, uh, he was kind of doing a guided tour, but he was telling all the people in the vicinity there, we we were making note of this cliff on the left hand side, and some people were hiking down to that. And you know, some of the adventurers thought it was cool, and some of the moms that had death grips on the kids' hand thought it was crazy. But he said just a couple days before we were there that a man walked down there to that lowest part of the cliff and jumped off to his death. And I was thinking about that. Now I can't see a picture of the Grand Canyon without thinking about that story. And as I was thinking about this lesson. I was thinking about how very different perspective I had on that situation than this man. You know, I walk up here and just in awe of the magnificence and how grand it is and awesome it is. And this man walked up there wondering how he could get no no lower in life and was at a point that his best option in life was going over that cliff and ending it all. And that's a little bit of an extreme example, but it just shows you how different perspectives we view life with. And I want us to spend some time on that this morning. I I was reading an article by a man who was a businessman, and he was describing his childhood. He grew up with a twin brother in the home of an alcoholic father. And this man had become a very successful and wealthy businessman grew up and never drank a day in his life. The twin brother grew up to become an alcoholic. And so the man that was doing this article had talked to both of these twins and asked them about their perspective on their childhood. And he asked the successful man, you know, what he did where he ended up successful. And he said, well, I grew up and I watched my dad and that's life to not want to be like that. And to grow up and make changes, it would, there would be a different life. And so then this man asked the brother that grew up to be an alcoholic, what happened in him that he grew up to be an alcoholic. And this man said, well, I watched my dad. Two men that grew up in the exact same environment, the exact same challenges and situation that developed very different perspectives on the situation. And it was a fascinating story for me to think about that and how these two men, the the course of their life was altered by their different perspectives of that situation. And I think the scriptures teach us some really important lessons about that. We're going to read three stories this morning about some people with different perspectives On life and how we can apply that to our lives, and I hope that you'll enjoy these stories as we go through them this morning. The first one we find in Genesis chapter 13, you might remember Abraham and Lot here in this story, how they were essentially living amongst each other at the time, and it talks about a time, it says, where Lot, who went with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. And Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left." And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and great sinners against the Lord." For those of you that know how the rest of this story ends, it's probably obvious why I chose this. If you don't know the rest of this story, we'll summarize that, but you can read it. If you'll go a little farther there in Genesis, it kind of wraps up in terms of Lot situation in Genesis 19. But two very different perspectives on a situation. You know, and as I think about the decisions that were made here, ultimately Lot, you know the trouble that he found in Sodom and Gomorrah, how he was ultimately delivered from that situation, but they were told not to look back as they fled the city. And of course, his wife looked back and was turned to a pillar of salt. All because of one situation that he had here. And the thing that I wanna draw out on that is the perspective that they had on that. We don't know a lot about their hearts and their attitudes as they made these decisions here, But we know that Abraham's perspective on this was that he was wanting to solve a problem, that he was wanting to get rid of the strife that was going on between the two groups of people. And we know as Lot looked down to make his decision, we can sort of assume, I think, that it was a little bit of a decision based on greed or the situation desiring the things that the world had to offer. As he looked down on the plain of Jordan and saw that it was well watered, we can assume, I think, that he thought that would be good for all of his herds and the animals that he had among, um, amongst themselves. Two, two men in the same situation with very different perspectives on a situation. Abraham's desire was to solve this strife. And Lot's desire was to find something that was an environment that he deemed good for his, um, for his wealth, essentially. There's another story in Matthew chapter 26 that I think is really good as we think about Perspective. Matthew 26 and verse number six says, now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, of very expensive ointment. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus aware of this said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me for you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. I think this is another really great example of having a proper perspective. You know, the disciples looked at this and saw this bottle of ointment, whatever this was, apparently had some kind of significant value. Those of you that know us know that we're an essential oil using household, and Some of those little bottles of oils cost 70 or 80 or 90 bucks. And so when you go to using one, mom is careful to remind you what the per drop cost of one of those oils is, the value of those oils. But the disciples looked at this and said, look, we could have sold that and given the money to the poor. Now, whether that was their motive or not, probably not. It was more probably motivated more by greed. But this woman had a proper perspective. She knew who was in her presence. She knew she was with the master. And the value of that bottle meant nothing to her at that point. If anything, it meant that she would use it to honor him. And Jesus said that to him. Two very different perspectives about a situation. In doing doing some research and study on this topic, I I saw a guy pose a question that I thought was kind of interesting. He said, would you rather be um, 80 years old right now and have a billion dollars in the bank or 20 years old? No other variables in the question. It was, you had to pick with those being the only two pieces of information you have. Do you wanna be 80 today and have a billion dollars, or 20 years old? And I think that question is a good exercise in this conversation about perspective. I'm kinda of right in the middle of all that right now, age-wise anyway, not money-wise, age-wise. But if you ask somebody in here that's 70 or 80, or maybe even 65, I would venture to say that they would choose to be 20 again. If you ask the younger guys, it might be more interesting conversation. But our perspectives shape how we view these situations. A billion dollars is a lot of money. You know, You don't know how much time you have left at 80. Maybe you think you can buy another 20 years. But it's a very fascinating discussion to me in thinking about perspective. One more story that we read about in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David and Goliath. You know, I think with some of these stories that we view as children's Bible stories, sometimes it's hard for us to to get out of that children's Bible story mode and think about the lessons learned. And I know many, many sermons have been given about David and Goliath over the years and the different lessons that we can learn from them, but I think perspective is right in the middle of this conversation. You think, and I want you to think about the perspectives of the different participants of this story. First Samuel chapter 17 in verse number 8. Talking about Goliath it says he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, "Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us." And the Philistine said, "I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man" that we may fight together. And if you remember this story and the challenge that Goliath made to them and their response to that challenge, there was sort of a a stalemate. And when you think about how this story plays out, there's there's three very different perspectives on display here. The first of those being Saul and the army of Israel. Verse number 11 says, when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They essentially hunkered down and cowered down and just were trying to wait this thing out. Nobody would obviously challenge him. They, no soldier stepped up to go out and uh, meet Goliath in his challenge, and so he continued this challenge daily um, and challenged Israel in that. The second is that of Saul himself, or excuse me, of Goliath himself. Verse number 16 says, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. So twice a day, he had his breakfast, went out and challenged Israel to send somebody out to fight him, let the day go by, had his dinner, went out and challenged Israel to send somebody out. For 40 days, he challenged him and took his stand and really was somewhat arrogant in that. I mean, you think about Goliath's perspective, he didn't think obviously didn't think anyone could match him in that he didn't think he could be defeated and was ready to ready to display that to the to the army and then finally you have David's perspective in verse number 37 it says David said the lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the philistine David on the other hand had his mind in the right place he had a proper perspective and you think about his perspective there was no arrogance in it there was no there was certainly a confidence in it because of what he had experienced in life. But three very different perspectives on this situation. And, of course, we know how the story ends with David confidently going out to face Saul and gathering a stone and using his slingshot and sinking it into his forehead. But he was confident in what the Almighty God could do. And so as we think about the story this morning these three stories that we've read, and certainly there are many other examples in the scriptures that we could read this morning. But I want to make a few observations about perspective as we think about this. Number one is that oftentimes our perspective is most influenced by the environment that we place ourselves in. That's our work environment, potentially. That's our family environment. That's the friends that we choose to be around all the activities that we choose to participate in, all of those things very much influence our perspective on life. We get so caught up in work and school and those things that all of our time and energy goes toward focusing on the problems created by that. Very very often it's influenced by that. Number two is that our perspective often, if not all the time, guides our decisions. So the perspective we develop in these environments causes us to make the decisions that we make. Our decisions are a product of our perspective, maybe if we say it a different way. So where we focus our thoughts and our intents and our mindset and our energy and our time and our money and all those things ultimately determines what decisions we're gonna make. And number three, and I think this is an important one, is that short-term thinking many times wins out over long-term thinking when we think about perspective and the decisions that we make. So often our perspective focuses us to try to solve immediate problems or relieve, relieve immediate pain points and get those things off our plate. Many times sacrificing long-term thinking or long-term goals. There's, there's other observations we can make about this, but I think those are three important ones that we should think about from a, prescri- uh, from a scriptural perspective. I saw another um, interesting conversation as I was studying this um, this article that I was reading actually wasn't about perspective. It was kind of more about moral dilemma type situations. And this person had posed a moral dilemma question uh, to a group of people just to get them thinking about this. And I thought it was a good exercise as we're thinking about what, how we view things in life, where do we focus our and develop our perspectives. But this person said that you have two sets of train tracks. So you have a left, a track going down the left side and a track going down the right side on the track on the left there was one single person tied up and bound to the tracks like you see in the old west movies when they tie somebody up and put them on the tracks on the set of tracks on the right hand side you had 10 people same deal tied up put on the tracks this direction you had one track coming with a train rolling down the track and right here in the middle you had one of those crossover deals and i've got the switch to the crossover And the moral dilemma part of this question was that I have to flip the switch and the switch is gonna say either the train goes down this track or the train goes down this track. There's no other options. So either the train is gonna go to the left and one person's life is gonna be lost or I'm gonna flip it the other way and it's gonna go to the right and 10 people's lives are gonna be lost. And the conversation then, of course, introduces a very difficult mindset or decision that has to be made and, of course, in the context of a moral dilemma type of question, it's, 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 not, it's not answerable, right? And You don't want anybody to die, but you have to decide. And so these people had this discussion about this and, you know, back and forth on why one would be better, whatever. Most of the people landed on sending the train down the left track, and it became a numbers conversation. Well, you know, it's unfortunate that anybody has to die, but it's better that one person dies than 10 people, and it just became a numbers situation. So after a period of time in this discussion, the, the the person moderating this said, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna throw a wrinkle in this in this dilemma. Same situation, the two sets of tracks, the train's still coming, you got the switch that sends it either way, but the one person on the left hand side is your child. The ten people on the right hand side are from halfway around the globe. Now what's your decision? And you can imagine the emotion and the, the way that the conversation changes in that scenario. That's a lot harder to answer that you're going to send one person to their death when you know it's your kiddo. It's very different perspectives on a situation. And I think it's a good exercise to get us to thinking about this and how we think about things in life. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father but is of the is from the world i think if it's not obvious this morning the point we're trying to get across is that our perspective should be influenced by the scriptures as Proverbs said here, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it's the way of death. You know, we, we know that we talk about that a lot. The way of man is not in himself; it's not in you know. I, I'm not, I shouldn't direct my own steps. All those things that we that we teach about. If any of you have heard Trevor preach much, you might you know you know he talks a lot about growing up in a broken home, and how passionate he is about that conversation. And I was thinking about this, and I talked to Trevor about this as I was thinking about perspective. But you know, he talks about how growing up in that environment, so heavily influenced him on how he wanted his life to be as an adult and as a married man and a father and all those things, and how he's so determined that, that he's not going to put his kids in that situation. And, as, you know, you think about that and the conversation, and he talks about that very passionately, but he doesn't match the statistics. When you look at the statistics, statistics of people that grew up in that situation, much like the twins with the alcoholic father, the the chances are that you're not gonna come out of that the way Trevor did. The chances are far more supportive of the fact that you're gonna end up in a broken home as well, or you're gonna end up being an alcoholic if your parents were alcoholics. And I would submit to you that Trevor's mindset and and perspective on that situation, being influenced by biblical things is what changed that. And as we think about all these situations in life, we're ultimately gonna have a choice. And if we'll let our mind be influenced by godly things, our perspective influenced by godly things, we're gonna make better decisions based on that. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it's the way of death. And so as we think about these stories this morning, I want us to think about what the admonition is on perspective. There's four things specifically that I wanna talk about that I think will help us um, do a better job of shaping our perspective. And I do think it can be shaped. You know, often we just think, well, we're just the products of those environments. There's a lot of choices that go into putting ourselves in those environments. And so there's some specific things, I think, that we can do to help this. Number one is remembering that your perspective about life will absolutely determine the decisions that you're gonna make. We talked about this in the study the other night, and Branson gave a really good example, and I wanted to incorporate that here. He's not even here to get credit for that this morning, but I told him I would be sure and cite that properly. But he was talking about the the rich man that we read about here in Matthew chapter 19. If you remember this story, this guy came to Jesus and said, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother and you shall love your neighbors yourself. And the young man said to him, all these things have I kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. This is pretty fascinating to me if you think about this guy because all the other examples that we've talked about were, Multiple people with different perspectives. This scenario, you have one guy whose perspective on things changed kind of a 180 in one conversation. You know, he ultimately showed up, I think, with the right perspective. He said, What do I have to do to get eternal life? I think that's a good question to ask. I think ultimately everyone asks that question at some point in their life and it leads you to the scriptures or conversations or whatever. His perspective was in the right place. He said, Keep all these commandments. I've done that. What else, you know, what else is there to do? Jesus, of course, knew his heart, and so he told him to sell all his possessions. And think about how quickly his perspective on this situation changed. It says he went away sorrowful. He couldn't give it up. In the, in the course of you know, one conversation, his perspective made him made maybe a, a life-changing decision. We don't know ultimately what happened with him, but I think we kind of assume that, that, he, that he couldn't get over that. And his perspective in both situations highly influenced his decisions. And I think we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that our environment and those things that we let shape our lives doesn't help us influence our decisions. And so we need to keep, keep tabs on that and remember that. Number two, godly focus is required to maintain a proper perspective. Talking about Trevor's situation in that example. Listen to what he says here in Colossians chapter three. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. I think, again, this is ultimately the point we're trying to get across this morning, that this godly focus has to be there if it's gonna shape our perspectives. Godly focus versus worldly focus you know that we think about and talk about all the things that are important to us but the things that we focus on and meditate on and think about and spend time and money and energy and all those things is where we're, is where our perspective will be number 3 proper perspective sees problems as possibilities you know you think about when we look at problems in life many times when we're in in the moment those problems sometimes seem unbearable. They seem like we're, there's never a way out. We're not going to figure out how to deal with them. I think if we'll, if we'll work on a right perspective, then I think the, then those problems become possibilities. Paul, in Philippians chapter 1, listen to what he says here about, his, about being in prison. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard And to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. It's fascinating to me to think about the attitude that he had in this situation. You know, we read about these men and women in the New Testament being in prison for their faith. And I think it's easy to kind of be hardened towards that. They're in prison. I mean, this is a situation that would be devastating to all of us to be in prison. And look at the attitude that he had in this. You know, none of this is about him as he's talking there. You know, he says he's actually thankful for the situation because it's helped him to advance the gospel is what he says. And not only that, but it's made other people bolder and have the confidence that they can advance the gospel by seeing how he dealt with that situation. He saw that something that we would view as problematic as a possibility, and something that helped him to advance the gospel. I saw an example um, story talking about some two men that were shoe salesmen, and they were sent by their company. Their company was trying to get into kind of emerging markets and things like that. So these two shoe salesmen were sent to a third-world country in Africa to try to you know gain some inroads there and establish their company as uh, you know a player in that market and all that kind of stuff. And so the first, the first shoe salesman kind of lands on the ground there in Africa. And, you know, as you can imagine, third world country, it's very poor and all the things that go with that. He sent word back home that nobody here wears shoes. You got to get me out of here. You know, he viewed that situation as just something that, that was a waste of time. The second guy showed up, saw the exact same environment, said, sent word back home, nobody here wears shoes. Send me every shoe you got. This is an opportunity for me. I think many times in life we're that way. We want to we be the, the glass half-empty people and not and not think about the possibilities in these situations. How two very different perspectives these guys had on that. And I think if we'll develop a proper perspective, we'll think about possibilities and we'll think about problems very differently. And finally, this morning, the idea I think of a detaching from situations can be really helpful as we try to focus as we try to think godly and think about the things that we should be doing, detaching from the situations. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter four here. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul was really good, I think, at detaching in general, but you know he, he had the ability to kind of look at his own life and detach from his own life and, and say, "This is where I messed up. You know, we're going to use these as examples to learn Th- this is where I've, I've learned my lesson, and you should follow after me, but he could really look at a situation, and, and here is no different. He said i've." I've been the poorest of poor. I've been in situations that were dire. You know, you think about his imprisonments and those things that he talks about. You think about him dealing with the thorn in the flesh and all that kind of stuff. I've dealt with those situations, but I've also been in situations where I've had plenty. I've had everything I need in abundance of what I needed. And in both situations, I've learned that it's never as bad as the bad seems and it's never as good as the good seems. But I've learned to be content in that. And I think it's really important for us to detach from situations when we're thinking about the things that are so troubling to us that it feels like there's no, you know, we're not coming up for air. There's, there's no end in sight. If we'll detach from those situations, reset our perspective, thank Godly, all these things that we're talking about here this morning, it'll let us get through them. It'll really help us focus. So we close this morning. I'd like for you to think about the cross from Jesus' perspective. You know, I've often wondered, you know, what was going through his mind as he was thinking there, looking down on all the various groups of people represented. You know, we we often, I mean, we obviously have some insight into that and the pain that he felt and his desires, and we know that he was committed to to doing that, but you just got to wonder what the human side of him thought as he looked down, you know, and knew that the Jews rejected him and you know, and knew that there was an injustice being done there by the, by the government that he was living under. And he looked down and saw his disciples and knew that they had forsaken him. And he looked down and saw the family that he was leaving behind and all those things. And yet the perspective that he maintained is unbelievable and how he was so committed to love and committed to doing the Father's will and going through with that. And it's a great example for us. And he looked down and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. His perspective couldn't have been any more in line with what it should have been. He could have focused on all those other things, the injustice and the, the disciples, and he could have called 10,000 angels and ended it all. But he, but he was steadfast in that. I hope that this, study of the morning has benefited you in some way. I hope that you'll understand the value in shaping your perspective properly and the things that we can do and decisions that we can make to do that. Focusing on a godly perspective is certainly something that will benefit us in that. If you have any need this morning that uh, the church can help with, we want to do that and want to offer that at this time. If there's any need that you have in obeying the gospel or you need prayers, For any reason, we offer an invitation at this time. If you would, come and have a seat on the front as we sing the song.